and welcome to Parking Thought, the show where we highlight the good in the world from the extraordinary to the everyday. You're going to want to like and subscribe wherever you find us. Curiosity, meet gratitude. My name is Jacob, and I'm glad you're here today. In this edition, we're going to be continuing this week's theme of looking at government and uh, government and politics, but we're going to try to look at it in a way where it's a lot less contentious, right? We don't want to go into that contentious atmosphere. Um, so we're going to be a little curious here, and I teased in the last episode that we were going to talk a bit more about flags. So in the last episode, I talked about my time being a, a sergeant and being the person who passed the flag on to a deceased or from a deceased uh, family member to a loved one who had served, and how special that was for me in my career. In this edition, I want to talk again about flags, um, but I want to. Th- th- this one's going to be a, not necessarily dark, but it's going to be. I'm going to share something with you that I don't know if you know um, that deals with flags and how they're utilized, at least from the military's perspective. And now, what's interesting about how you get treated in the army is is it's not very kind sometimes. Literally during my basic training, we had what we called cattle cars or cattle trucks, right? And we would all be piled into the back of this thing, standing up vertically, and they would slam about 20, 30 people in there just to move us from point A to point B. Now, from the Army's perspective, that was doing us a favor, right? Because it was saving us from walking all the distance that they were driving us. But from our perspective, it wasn't a luxury vehicle, but it wasn't even a vehicle with seatbelts, and it was barely a vehicle that had a cover on the back of it right? It was literally um, metal railing on the side of a flatbed pickup. And that was what we rode in. And it was considered perfectly safe for military purposes to get us from point A to point B. And that's how we traveled. Now, at other times in your career, you know, you have, uh, I, I remember flying into Afghanistan wearing our full kit, right? Full kit is a um, vest that has a ceramic bulletproof uh, plates on there right now bulletproof up to a certain caliber so these were bulletproof up to 762 and they had to hit a certain part of the plate in order for them to be effective and there's all kind of research for that but anyway imagine wearing uh, a three-quarter inch thick ceramic plate on your front and on your back and imagine carrying at least two weapons right i had my pistol with me and i had my rifle with me and imagine having as we all do your backpack that you carry with you on an airplane and then imagine that you have to do all of this in a seat that is designed with the distance for your legs that coach had from about 10 years ago, right? Most airlines have given you at least a half an inch more, more leg room, not in the army. Nope, not in the army. So when we fly into Afghanistan, it was all your full kit, totally squished with dudes to your left and right, wearing the same amount of kit. Everybody's bumping each other and it's really not comfortable. Now that's the way you travel while you are alive in the army. And in this episode, Again, it's not dark, but it is humbling. I want to talk about the way you travel when you're no longer alive, um, because I don't think people have a whole lot of exposure to this, and for good reason. Uh, But I also think it shows a bit of reverence that despite the flaws we have in our government, the reverence that it shows for those who have passed on is absolutely tremendous. Now, before I flew into Afghanistan, and I can't remember if it was before or after Iraq, I think it might have been before, I got the opportunity to have some free vacation time um, and a flight back to the United States from Germany, where I was stationed, um, on the on the military's time. So they flew me back on a C-17. Now, I remember waiting in Ramstein Air Base for the C-17 to pick us up <clears throat> and fly us back. and. Um, 
you know, military flights don't have to, there's no schedule. There is a schedule, right? But there's no real schedule of, you know, flights being on time like you have in the commercial airline industry, right? These flights need to leave on a specific window of time. Anyway, that window of time or the start of that window of time had had started and yet the flight had not happened, right? We hadn't gotten on. And one by one, each of the passengers on the list were being called up and asked a couple of questions. And I didn't know why. And, uh, you know, my last name starts with an R, so I was further along in the alphabet, and my last name gets called, and I go up, and they say, you know, <clears throat> Sergeant Rucker, uh, you know, we have um, a few caskets that'll be flying on this flight. Do you have an issue um, flying on this plane with those caskets? And I said, well, no. And then they gave me instructions about how those caskets should not be uh, photographed or filmed. And, uh, you know, no photos on that plane. Now you will, if you Google, you can see photos of um, caskets coming off a military plane, but the instructions across the military are that once a service member has passed, right, and once their remains are in a casket, right, that it is not to be photographed. It is the property of the family, right, is the property of the next of kin is listed on the, the official forms that we have in the service. And it is no longer property of the United States. The United States is holding those remains, right? The government of the United States is holding those remains and processing them in the most reverent way it knows how. And part of that reverence is to make sure that those caskets are not photographed. And so there was a bit of controversy at one point because I believe President Obama uh, went to meet the um, uh, the remains of several soldiers from Afghanistan or several service members coming back from Afghanistan and Iraq. And he met them in Dover Air Force Base and they, the press or the uh, somebody had taken a photo of him doing that. Now, you can take that photo, but you have to have permission from the family members to release it. And that didn't happen according to protocol. Now, that's an exception, right? We're not going to give an exception to the president. We're going to give an exception to people or people. And sometimes those photographs happen, but the instructions are that they don't that they remain sacred, that those remains are transported to the family in the most reverent way possible. So previously I talked about how passing on the flag that is draped over that casket, right, was an honor that I had at one point in my career. There's a flag draped over the casket the entire time uh, from the moment the remains are processed at one of the processing facilities, you know, and then put on a plane and then flown back to the States where the remains are further processed to make sure that everything is in proper order for the family and for the funeral home that will be um, dealing with it. They go through the paperwork extensively to make sure that things are accurate and right. Now, there are still instances where people are not perfect. We did have one instance early on, early 2000s, where um, you know, <clears throat> these, once they go from the C-17, they fly in a much smaller plane. Uh, and there was one instance where a plane was making three stops and accidentally, because the social security numbers were very similar, uh, one, um, casket was, uh, delivered to one funeral home as opposed to another, right? And that was, e that was quickly rectified because again, there were checks in place to make sure that at the next stop that the right remains were there. Um, the person, the officer in charge identified that the mistake had happened and the military quickly responded to correct that before any of the family might've been harmed by, you know, that, that not being done properly. Um, I find it amazing and tremendous that this system exists in a government that can often be unfeeling and unkind and uncaring. And I wanted to point this out because it's so amazing to me 
that at the point where somebody has given their life for the country, that they are, their remains are at the point where they're considered, you know, the property of the family, or they belong back to that family, and that they are treated with the utmost and most sacred respect. To all of the folks who might be listening, who have a part of that process, thank you. Because when it was really hard for me to have a reason to serve, right, because I had those years while I was wearing the uniform. I went to Afghanistan after bin Laden was dead. I didn't understand why I was there, and it was frustrating. And I didn't understand why I've had to deal with some of my PTSD issues because I didn't see what we were doing and how it added value. The last six years of my career were really, really hard in that respect. And one of the bright, shining stars that was out there was the way that we treat you know, and respect those who have given their life. We can get a lot of other things wrong, but we had that going for us. And I really appreciate the people who created that system and the people who help execute that system and the tremendous work that they do to help families understand and appreciate or to tell families that as a people, as a government, we are trying to understand and we are working our best to show our appreciation for those who have lost their lives and lost their loved ones. And uh, that's today's parking thought. So let's wrap this up. And this is the part where I say thank you for listening to this episode. And if you want, share it with somebody else you know. Um, Let them know, please. (laughs) I am grateful for what they do. If you want to stick around for the long haul and uh, head on over to parkingthought.com and you'll find the subscribe links. But I, I really just think that My challenge at the end means something a little different at the end of this episode. Uh, That we should remember in a world where we can choose to be anything, why not choose to be grateful? Mm